doing? You're doing good, awesome. Is there like a, can I steal this, Taylor? Or Okay, perfect. I won't ruin it too much. I'm super excited to be with you. Even, uh, man, just during that last song, are you grateful for your worship team? Whew, what a sound. During that last uh, song, as Taylor was just uh, kind of hearing from the Lord and playing silently, I, I had a very vivid picture that the Lord was sewing up um, some wounds on some of us. There were places, you know, like in our back or on our leg that had gaping wounds that had been open for a very long time. And I heard the Lord very powerfully just say that today is the day that healing starts and that he's so intimately aware of how you've been wounded, where you're hurting, where it came from, that he's actually there sewing it up and ensuring the healing for you. So we serve a good God, amen? Like uh, Pastor Michelle said, I get the privilege of serving with Don and Amy Rogers. I know that they are longtime friends of the house. I also have one of my co-laborers in ministry, Jim Kay, is in the back here to celebrate with us and be family. And man, I love when God gives us assignments. Isn't it so fun when you find yourself in uncommon places serving Jesus? Fun slash terrifying. Nobody else? Just me? Fine, whatever. Okay, we got one honest soul, two honest souls in the church. Um, and so that's what I get to do now. I've been a long time a member of the Free Methodist Church. And so my heart is just so ecstatic that you have Pastor John as your guys' lead pastor. I met him years ago when I took Wesleyan theology and my history and polity classes. And he, doesn't he have a gift of teaching? Wow, and I know that you guys are being fed well, you're being prayed well, and so, or prayed for well, so I'm so excited to know that the shepherding that's happening in this house, whether it's from the written houses or from the rest of your leadership team, is intentional, it's for your good. I know these, these, these people pray for you. When they say that you're family, they mean it. And I know that because I've got the opportunity to run with them for a while. And so you are blessed by their love. I'm blessed by their love. And I don't want to go on any further without just pausing to remember that it's 9-11 Remembrance Day. And so if there's anyone here who has, uh, is actively serving or is a veteran of any type of civil service, would you please stand if you could so we can honor you? Yeah. Thank you. Praise you. Praise you. So good. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Yeah, absolutely. And even the families of those that serve, right? It's a calling. And so we acknowledge you. We thank you for your sacrifice, for the things that we don't even know it cost you. We honor you in this house. So in a second, we're going to get into the word. I'm really excited to... Um, just encourage you today with testimonies and stories. But since Don and Amy love this place so much and they actually met here, got proposed here, did they get married here too? They, okay, so they didn't get married here, but they probably could have. Um, and I know that they would want me to share their greetings before I go on any further. And so since they aren't here in person, please receive their greetings. They love you. They think of you often. They pray for you all the time. And I have a quick video to share with you from Don himself. Sorry, Mark, I could have got you a better setup on that one. Your generosity is accomplishing far more than you can imagine. As you provide training and skills to the impoverished, we're seeing lives come out of poverty and into the arms of God in numbers like we have never seen before. 
Your prayers and support are bringing hope to orphans and families and opening new doors now in over 50 villages. Chiefs are saying that they're seeing the transformation in communities and inviting empowering lives to bring the training. And we've told them this training foundation is Jesus. And they say, well and good, bring it. And we can't help but believe God is just getting started. This partnership is igniting world changers. it or hear it without like wanting to shake a little, you know, and just dance along with them. It's so exciting. Um, I did a little bit of research and Living Spring, over the past 27 years, your church family has contributed over $85,000 to see this movement in Africa happen. That is phenomenal. And everything, I know, go ahead, man. Everything that you saw there, both the Training and skills and business and agriculture, the pairing of the gospel to the most unreached parts of Kenya and East Africa is happening because of your partnership, because of your generosity, because of your heart for justice, because of your care for the nation, because of your guys' ability to do long-term relationships and community well. And so thank you for being such an important part of our history. I think I even get to be here, right? I get to be here. I get to do this stuff with Jesus. Jesus, because you guys have paved a way for what I am now living in, and it's so exciting. Like Michelle said, not only do I get the opportunity of working with ELI, I also get to serve as a pastor. I'm a mom, which is the best title and the hardest title in the world. Uh, I'm a wife, and I'm also an author. I actually brought the book that I wrote. Uh, it was March 2020. COVID had just happened, and the Lord said, are you going to sit there and watch Netflix all week? And I said, ooh, apparently not. And so uh, I put my hands to the keyboard and popped out kind of a, a book that just represents my, uh, the anointing on my life. I believe that we were always meant to burn. We were meant to run hard after Jesus. And so I authored a book called Revival Lifestyle. Uh, for those of you who have been around the church slash Christian slash Western community for a long time, we have this phrase, right? We're always like, Lord, we pray for revival, but what if... What he did inside of us when we got saved and redeemed and restored was meant to so change us that we lived as an expression of revival. To where we actually don't have to pray for one, we just have to show up. I can tell you like that. 
that's what the book's all about. And uh, you can buy a copy today. All the proceeds will go towards Empowering Lives International. But I do want to give away one. I hear we have a very special birthday in the house. And so, Chow, this is for you. Happy birthday, friend. <laughs> You're so very welcome. Oh, my goodness. All right, if you would like to, turn to your Bibles. You can open up to Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Uh, I just returned from Kenya a couple months ago, and it was my first trip out to the field, actually, and Don said I was a very good missionary, which made me very happy, because coming from the man himself, I was like, oh, that's, that's a compliment. And so, uh, Mark, if you want to go ahead and just show a couple of those, like, slides, I was able to see firsthand the expressions of your generosity and of your partnerships as I know, isn't that amazing? As I got to meet farmers and women who had come out of brewing and now have thriving businesses and are leaders in their communities. I got to visit their farms. I got to meet them face to face. I got to hear their stories of what it was like before they knew Jesus, before they received the skills and the training at the ELI training centers, and now after what their life is like. And even this picture is a gentleman, his name is Simon. He was a hoot. I'll go ahead and go to the next one. He was a hoot. This guy, we got to walk on his farm, and he was showing us with so much pride, so much pride, every little piece of his acreage, every little piece of his farm. He was like, and look at my compost pile, and look at my well that I have here so all of my neighbors can come and get water as they want. And he built a training center on his own property so he could train people because he said, now with Jesus, I'm a missionary and an agricultural Missionary of the gospel and agriculture. I'm like, I've never even heard of that before. That sounds fabulous. He took me over to another part on his property, and he started hitting the ground with his hoe. And he said, do you hear that? I was like, yes, I do. He's like, it's rock. And then he took me to another place. He's like, hitting again. He's like, do you hear this? It's rock. I'm like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You figured out how to plant on top of rock? And he said, yes, these are the ideas that the Spirit of God is giving us. And so I was pretty impressed. I mean, I don't have a green thumb. I don't know if any of you can farm in here, kitchen gardens, any type of gardens. I kill cilantro. I just can't. There's nothing I can do about it. But, but this guy, I was like, tell me, what does this mean to you? Because I knew his story. And about seven years earlier, he was a vagabond. He had nothing to his name. And so I said, what does it mean to you now that you even learned how to plant on top of rock? And he looked me dead in the eyes and he said, one time famine challenged me and now I'm here to challenge famine. I know, I was like, oh my goodness, you are amazing. And it was that kind of story, that type of an empowerment story that I was able to see embodied in life after life after life after life. And after seeing so much goodness, I told Don, I said, I need to go see the problem. I need to go, you need to show me what it's like for somebody not who's been able to experience the training and the skills and the teaching that's coming out of ELI, but somebody who has not yet had this hope, someone who is not yet free. And so we got to go into a slum and meet different people who were facing many challenges, challenges like addiction, generational cycles of poverty, hopelessness, lack of education, and primarily in East Africa, when you have a family, specifically a mom, who's looking for a way to feed her children, 
provide for her family, cover her kids' school fees, they'll find themselves brewing toxic alcohol. It'd be similar to uh, uh, what we would define as maybe like a drug dealer. Somebody who sells and distributes drugs here illegally is kind of the situation that's going on there except with alcohol. And so I got the opportunity to meet a couple of these moms and look into their eyes. I didn't see the same thing I saw in Simeon's or Ruth's or Paris's. But you know, I did ask them, I said, if you could leave this life today, if you could have hope for something else, would you do it? And even this lady right here, this is Veronica. This is the brewing den right behind her. And this is one of our women of change, uh, Grace, who's teach, uh, trying to tell her that there's another way to live, that there's hope, that there's freedom. And so I asked, I said, if there was something else that you could do to support your family, would you stop brewing? And she said, instantly, and I would never return. What we get to do for Jesus is a powerful, powerful thing. We get to be his representatives on earth to bring the kingdom wherever we go. And the kingdom, the expressions of the kingdom look like hope and faith and joy and community and freedom. And so this woman, like so many others, maybe they don't have the language for it. Maybe they don't understand the deepest, deepest needs of their hearts or the way to access it. But we know it's found in Jesus. And this is what we've been doing for 27 years, and we refuse to stop. Amen? So Galatians 5, 1 says this. So Christ has truly set us free. And now make sure then that you stay free and you don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. When we think about what Jesus has offered us, what Jesus has offered every single one of our friends, whether they know they're our friends or they don't yet know they're our friends in East Africa, whether they know our, they're our friends on this street or at the school across the street or they don't yet know, he offers us freedom. He invites us into perfect freedom. And like Paul says in this verse, he doesn't free us so we can serve him. He doesn't free us, he doesn't offer us freedom so that way he can use us. The new uh, international version says this, it is for freedom we have been set free. Which means it's for the very sake of freedom itself that we get to be free. Isn't that wild? Sometimes, especially those of us who've been in the church for a long time, we can kind of get it wrong. We can think, well, he saved us so we could go out and tell people about him. I mean, it's true, we should want to, but is that why he saved us? Or he saved us, so now he can use us. Well, he loves partnering with us, but did he save us just so he could use you? Is he that kind of a father? But see, freedom is so enticing. We were actually born to be free. He wired it inside of our DNA. Anybody with a toddler knows I'm speaking the truth, amen? We can't control each other. We try, it doesn't work, but we were born to experience freedom. The goal in life and the goal in parenting help us, Jesus, is that we teach our kids how to manage their freedom, right? So that way they don't grow up to be adults who behave their emotions and their feelings. But the goal of freedom, the way that he wired us so that way we could be free is because he knew that that was our original design. That when we have the option to choose a thousand things, especially in this day and age with the distractions that are available to us, and we choose him, we choose the one thing, that's where life fully dwells. It reminds me of Matthew 6, 23. Sorry, 
uh, Matthew 6, 33, where Matthew writes, uh, to seek first the kingdom of God, right? And everything else he's gonna add to us. That, that verse, seek first the kingdom, actually means to live for God's pleasure and presence. And this is what I think freedom actually looks like. He created freedom and is committed to it. He's demonstrated it time and time again, right? And we've been set free so that way we can enjoy him. We can live for his pleasure. We can live for his very purposes. I had a friend uh, not so long ago I was praying with, and she just kind of shared with me privately, you know, she said, which I'm telling you all now, um, don't tell her, um, nor anybody on Facebook watching us live for that matter. But, uh, but she, she just kind of told me, you know, I'm really struggling with control. I, I want to control everything all the time. Anybody in here kind of ever feel the same way? Every woman raise their hands. Okay, we've got a couple more that are not lying. This is good. We're being convicted by the Spirit of the Lord as our time goes on together. And so I said, let's just pray about it. Let's see what God has to say about this. Obviously, you want to break free from this thing. And I know a guy who's actually really good at making that happen. So let's pray. And so we did. We just kind of sat in the presence of the Lord together. And as we did, we asked the Lord, you know, just to kind of show her, like, when did she make this agreement with control that living in control was like actually beneficial for her? And she remembered being 11 years old. Her mom and dad had just divorced. And she was sitting at the kitchen table doing the bills. And she was like, this is so crazy. I haven't thought about this in so long. I was like, well, what does this mean to you? Let's ask Jesus some more questions, you know. And so we just kind of asked real nonchalantly, Jesus, what lie did she learn in that moment? And he told her that to be powerful, to lead her family now as the head of the house, she had to be in control. And she made an agreement with control in that moment that then, like, predetermined every moment after that. And for a while, I'm sure it was helpful for her until it wasn't, right? Anything that is not found and rooted in Jesus, anything of this world, might be helpful for a moment. Even sin is fun for a moment, right? But it doesn't necessarily mean that we're living in freedom when we're partnering with it. So the Lord so beautifully helped her be able to stop agreeing with that lie. And she apologized to him for it. Lord, I'm so sorry. I never meant to partner with control. I want to partner with you. And she saw him actually sitting down at the table, even though she wasn't a Christian when she was a kid, she saw him kind of like in her imagination at the table with her, helping her do the budget. And she knew she wasn't alone. And that, that freedom of knowing that God was with her, even though she wasn't acknowledging him in her youth, changed everything for her. She said after that moment, she was able to live free from the bondage of control. Isn't that rad? Like one moment in Jesus' presence. One moment where he exposes lies, where he exposes maybe some bad thinking, where he exposes some tendencies that we might have, and he changes everything so that way we can live free. He really is committed to our freedom. And so we have to cherish this truth then, that we've been set free for the purpose of freedom in Christ alone, and realize that it's actually the enemy who comes to steal and kill and destroy, right? John 10, 10 says, now, I want to be clear. Please listen. 
The enemy cannot steal your salvation. Do you agree? Okay, that's a good, that's a good word. If I was sitting up there, I would have probably started dancing. That is a good word. The enemy cannot steal our salvation from us. But he can, because of his very nature, try to take from us our inheritance. Things like our peace, the joy that we've been given, right? The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. He can try to take away from us our freedom. He can try to take away from us our intimacy with the Lord, making us feel isolated or shamed or so much condemnation we don't even want to show up to church or to our small group. But you are 100% in control of what you allow him to take from you. I had another gal that uh, I had the opportunity of just answering a phone call. I was at church one day just serving the Lord, having a blast, and a gal called, and she, uh, she said, I don't know, um, you know, much about your church. I'm a Catholic, and I just called my church, and the priest didn't pick up, and so I was looking for somebody to pick up. I was like, oh, this sounds like it's going to be fun. And so I started talking with her, and she shared with me that a couple months previously, she went to a medium and she had just had given birth to her daughter. She was kind of feeling sick, having some postpartum depression stuff. And so she didn't find any answers, any solutions in the Catholic Church. So she decided to find answers somewhere else. Probably not uncommon to what we do, right? I tell my kids all the time, Google will give you an answer. It don't mean it's the truth, right? And so she tried to find an answer. And in this exchange with a psychic, she actually was cursed. She believed in what the psychic told her, that she was gonna have bad health, that harm was gonna come to her family, and that she wasn't safe. And so for three months, she had been tormented. She was having a lack of sleep, lack of hope. She was so neurotic, trying to control everything with her daughter, she just wasn't sure if her daughter was actually gonna be okay, so she lorded over her just to ensure. So she called. She said, this is what's going on. And I had never met her before. She had never been to our church, let alone a Christian church. And so I just said, how about, can I just pray for you? And so I just started praying. And I, and I did what, what Jesus does, right? When, when he uh, encounters something that's not from his kingdom, he just tells it to go, right? And so I told this fear to go. I told this torment, this tormenting spirit to go. I told this, this shame to go. I told this curse to go that we weren't going to believe it anymore, that it wasn't a part of her life. And then we stopped praying. I told her that we were having a church service that night. If she wanted to come, she was welcome to. I'd be, you know, on the far right side, and I'd love to meet her face to face. Well, later that night, she came. It was her first time ever setting foot in a church before a Christian church. And when she, she saw me, she grabbed me and she said, my mind has been so clear ever since we prayed together. The voices that were like always talking to me, they're gone. I had to show up. I was like, this is amazing. Like, you know when you pray for something full of faith, but then you're still shocked that God does it? That's me every time. I'm like, he did it. He did it. This is so good. And so I was like, this is amazing. She's like, who is this Jesus? I'm like, I didn't even think to offer her salvation, <laughs> right, when we were on the phone. And so then together, after she's already experienced God's love, she's already experienced freedom, she was actually able to receive him then as her savior. 
and we worshiped the Lord together. She got connected in our community. She actually started, like, she signed up for Rooted. She signed up for a mom's group. Her whole family started to come to church. It was the, the ending of a cycle that set an entire family free, right? For freedom, we have been set free. And what I find so interesting about her story, and maybe some of us can relate as well, is that we can find ourselves imprisoned or maybe chained up or locked up for a couple of things. Sometimes we do it, right? We're kind of the bad guy in our story. Other times, there's things that happen to us. And that's why I love Isaiah 61 and Matthew 4 so much, not Matthew 4, Luke 4, where Jesus is the fulfillment of this prophetic word from a prophet years and years, hundreds of years earlier, where he says, I've come to set the prisoners and the captives free. Prisoner is someone who deserved the sentence, right? They did something wrong. A captive is someone who didn't do anything wrong. They just were on the other side of harm. And this is how good God is to us. This is how committed he is to our freedom, that whether you're the bad guy in your story or you're not, whether you did something wrong or you were in a relationship with someone who's broken, freedom is available to all of us. Amen? I think this is a good word. I'm preaching to my own soul right now. It reminds me a little bit about what Hebrews 12:1 says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great, huge crowd of witnesses to this life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Every weight that slows us down and every sin, even there, the Lord is inviting us in, no matter who we are in our story, if we've been weighed down by the effects of sin in this world, or if we're actually actively partnering with sin ourselves. His mercy, his grace, his forgiveness, his sovereignty, his wholeness is available for each one of us. I think this is pretty awesome. Uh, not long ago, we, uh, well, let me back up a little bit. We have a team in Kenya. They're called our KAA team. Similar to like an Alcoholic Anonymous or a recovery program that we have here. I know you guys are really big on Celebrate Recovery too. Bless you. Bless you for that and for the outreach to our city. So we have a similar group that's led by three pastors who have this, these crazy wild encounters with Jesus, this wild history with the Lord. And they're motivated every day to get up and to ensure that every alcoholic who wants to break free gets the opportunity to because of Jesus. And so they go out on missions all the time together, just going into different cities. And there's this one time that they were on their way. Uh, they were going to be guests of a village, but their car broke down. And they weren't actually able to get where they were supposed to go. And so instead of probably what we would do, be like, all right, I got the day off. Let's go home. Let's watch the football game. Let's hang out. They're like, well, God surely must want us to do something else. And so they sat there, they prayed, and then they found themselves going into a very close-by village. They walked to this village, and what they stumbled upon was kind of like a brewing, drinking, distribution hub where dozens and dozens of men were intoxicated in the early morning. And they're like, these are our people. 
And so they started telling stories, what God had done for them, how God had redeemed their life, breaking off shame, right? Breaking off those uh, feelings of hopelessness, like it'll never be different. How many of us have said that? No matter what you do, you can't change it. Your dad did it, your granddad did it, you're gonna do it, your kids are gonna do it too. That's a lie from hell, isn't it? So they were ministering to these gentlemen, just pouring out the love and the grace of Jesus over them. And this little kid ran over and was like, I need you to come and pray for our family. And so they did. They kind of wrapped up what they were doing. They left. They went to this little girl's family. And on the way over, this little gal just told them, you know, my mom, bruise. It's a miserable life. She's miserable, I'm miserable. Sometimes the, the police will come, they will harass us. Sometimes they'll take my mom to prison. Uh, it's not safe here for us. I've learned about your God at Sunday school and I want you to pray for my family. And so they did. They just sat right outside that little girl's house and they prayed. They prayed for that demonic power to be broken off of the region, off of the house, that hope would be inserted and that freedom would come home. As soon as they said amen, the mom ran out of the house, out of the little hut, similar to what you saw, and was like, who are you people? What are you doing? Who are you people? So they said, we're just, you know, we're followers of Jesus. Are you okay? And she said, I don't know who you are or where you've come from, but the second you stopped praying, my pot burst. They were like, what? What do you mean? She was inside her brewing den, actively brewing this poisonous, toxic liquor, which she had been doing for over 20 years. And supernaturally, the Lord burst that pot, and all of the liquid fell down to the bottom of the hut. She had never had that happen to her before, and it's very uncommon. The fire is very, very low. So this was an act of God but God knew how to get her attention. And so when she came out, she told them the story. They were like, praise God, you know, this is exactly what we prayed for. We just didn't know how he was gonna show up, but he did. Salvation came to that village that day. And even our team followed back up with the village, went back a couple of months later just to see how everybody was doing. That entire area that was known as a place to drink and to purchase alcohol was cleaned out. I talked to Pastor Stone, who's on that recovery team. He said, there is no more brewing. There is no more drinking in that area. Isn't that amazing? It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And you know, this isn't something that the Lord just wants to do in East Africa. He wants to break every metaphorical and literal pot in our own lives, in our own hearts, in our own homes. He wants to think, to take the thing that is causing us destruction and pain, maybe even bringing in income. Maybe we've even made agreements or partnered with it and thought, it's going to be helpful for a season. But God's saying, I have so much better for my people. This is what he does. And he's so committed to it, actually. He's so committed to our freedom. He actually proved it in the most extravagant way. Hebrews 12 goes on to tell us in verse 2. 
We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he's seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. One of the cool experiences that I got to have in um, when I was in Africa just a couple months ago was we saw this woman and her two kids carrying those huge piles of firewood on their back. Have you ever seen that before, some of those images? I even brought a couple to show you, Mark, if you don't mind putting those up. And so we saw this woman who's a smaller frame than I and her two little toddlers hiking up this huge incline. And she had what would have been, this is him, this is Ruth, and this is her two kids, uh, what would have been probably 70 pounds of firewood that she was carrying. This bundle would have provided $5 for her family. And so I was like, can I carry it? I want to know what it feels like. And let me tell y'all, it was heavy. It was such a heavy, heavy burden. This, this is kind of cheating because I had like four gentlemen behind me who were really nervous and they didn't really want to let me go. And so I was like, no, 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 I got it. Leave me alone. I got it. And I took probably like two or three steps. It wasn't even much. I was already, my knees were buckling under the weight of that load. But it wasn't even just that because at that moment I recognized what Jesus carried for me to actually experience freedom as well. There was something about that moment, carrying that weight and just thinking, man, Lord, what you did so that way I could be made free, what you did so that way I could experience your love and experience your freedom just for the sake of being free. Not because he knew I would write a book or I would raise my kids well or I would pay my taxes or, you know what I mean? Like all the things sometimes we make it up to be. But his heart of affection for me was actually because I'm his kid. I'm his kid. And he doesn't want anything less for me. Just like I got three knucklehead teenagers. Anybody else with teenagers in here? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. We need our own recovery group. <laughs> Just going to put in a word. But even with my knucklehead teenagers and the daily disrespect or the daily, you know, frustration, I still want nothing best for them. In fact, sometimes I even pray, Lord, give them no peace until they're fully yours. Because <laughs> I want nothing less than for them to be positioned inside of his love, experiencing his freedom, living for his pleasure and his purposes, like it says in Matthew 6, so would you stand if you feel comfortable or if you feel like maybe the right posture for you in this moment would just be to sit or kneel in the presence of God. We're gonna just allow the Lord to minister to us. If you wanna sing, sing. If you don't wanna sing, don't sing. But in a minute, I'm gonna come back up. I would love the opportunity to pray for some of you. Some of you, this might be your first time acknowledging that you want Jesus as your savior. And if you do, our prayer team, is right up here to pray with you. They would love to walk you through becoming a child of God. But this is our time to kind of do some business with the Lord and for us to give up those weights and those sins that so easily hinder us 
from being made perfect in his love. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, God, collectively we come to a place where we decide as a family that your freedom is better than anything we've tasted, anything we've drank, anything we've numbed out to. It's better than any lie we've believed, any perversion of the real version of what you've given us, God. We refuse in this moment to partner with it anymore. And God, we invite you to come in and to burst every pot. Whether it's been given to us or we built it ourselves, God, break down everything that is violating us from being able to be free in your love. Yeah, and we also just, we cancel any shame, any lying voice that is uh, even whispering to us right now, this is for everybody in the room but you, or it's for everybody watching later but you, and we refuse to partner with that. And we receive your truth, God, that you have no grandchildren in your family, just lots and lots and lots of kids. And church, I bless you in the name of Jesus Christ to go free, to find yourselves in a new place of authority, a new place of love, a new place of wisdom, a new place of hope, a new place of joy. My friend has a, a tattoo of the word freedom in Hebrew on her arm. And someone came up to her one time and was like, oh, I read Hebrew. Why do you have the word vacation on your hand? That's what we've been offered. An unending vacation in God's love. And so I bless you to have a vacation that never ends. Freedom that is always extended to you and that it would touch you and your children and your children's children. It would touch you and your coworkers. It would touch you and your students. It would touch you and your residents that everyone that you are in, like able to encounter that's in your proximity gets an expression of Jesus Christ himself because of who you are and how you've been anointed to represent him. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that you are the ministry of reconciliation. So I bless you with the boldness, with the faith, and also with the confidence to know he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. In Jesus' name we pray and believe it together. And everyone said,